With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You need a body shop? You need engine repair? Auto Excellence, Collision Specialist, 631-261-6420. That's 631-261-6420. Auto Excellence. Jimmy, I gotta take a dump. What? No. I mean, I need a dumpster. (sighs) Well, for all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental. Long Island, New York, 631-900-DUMP. Let me say something right here, and I want everybody to listen. I knew all along that the only one that could bring me back, bring me back from exile, was Dusty Rhodes. This is us. Reruns of Star Trek, man. Everybody was happy in there. There It was multiracial, man. Back on the interstate. So open up your eyes. Way before it gets too late. Now one man. There's no way you can hit those street lights running. Don't give a damn. A civil explanation that you'll never find. Hey there, peeps. How are we doing this evening? We have our second episode of In the Dungeon going on. We have the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan in the house, AA the Reinforcer, Mr. Andrea Anderson, and Mr. Craig Mossy. How are we doing this evening, gents? Good, Excellent. fellas. How are we doing? Excellent. You people are probably wondering who Craig Massey is. I'm going to tell you who Craig Massey is. Craig Massey from Lockport, Louisiana, is one of pro wrestling's foremost collectors and self-proclaimed world's biggest mark. Thank you. That's why I Thank you. And you have the T-shirt to prove it, remember? I I do have that. Manny Fernandez gave me that. I do have that. (laughs) 
The oh, world's weakest player. That's some... impressive all on its own. That, that uh, carries oh, experience. No, no, it's not bad. Andrew, Andrew, you forgot the main thing. Craig owns construction around the world, whether it be Arabia or uh, uh, Jakarta or Texas. He's uh, New, York. New York and he's expanding in Asia now. So hopefully you and I can take him to Singapore. Yeah, that yeah. would be nice. I'd be nice yeah. to go see Mark Lewin there. Yeah. Dinner with Lewin. We'll have dinner with Mark Lewin and the princess. That yeah. would be awesome. I'm working towards that. I'm working towards that. Well, we cool. want to go see a little more time. I got to bring the robe so I can bring the robe back to Mark and put it on him. Right. Hey, would... Craig, can I ask you a question to get into this? Yes, when, go ahead. When did you first acquire your first memorabilia piece and what was it? Ooh. Have to think back. I think my first piece was probably 23 years ago. Wow. Which was it? Was? And it was, yeah, probably 22, 23 years now. And that was the Alabama heavyweight champion belt. And I think that that was back from like 80 to 85 that belt was held. Wow. And how many belts do you have in total? Ooh, I probably have, uh, as you can see, I got a few back here. I would say I probably have maybe around 22 to 25. They're all originals, and a lot of them have been certified by the guys like likes of Dave Milliken. And, uh, and, uh, yes. yes, almost everything I have is all ring-worn. Ring I, don't, I don't have – I have uh, maybe one replica belt that I actually got from a Dave Milliken. Mm -hmm. And Reggie Parker made a lot of the belts too. And uh, that you made for me, and but pretty much all my collection is all authentic. Wow, I have a question for you, Craig. Which is your most, which is your favorite piece of memorabilia you have, and why? Oh, I have, uh, I would probably have to say, probably. Uh, the North American heavyweight belt. The older wow. version is probably more than the newer version. Just from, you know, my generation. Where did that come from? I mean, what territory was the North American belt? Was that Mid-South? Well, that was Mid-South. And that, that particular belt was held by Buddy Colts back in Florida as well. They used it there and then Bill Watts, and, you know, from DBRC to Ernie Ladd and Orndorff and Junkyard Dog. And so it's, it's um, Dusty held it. I think Stan Hansen did as well. So it has a lot of history and it every, has a lot of coverage for me from back in the magazine. Back every, every one of those guys you mentioned, I worked yeah. with Ernie Ladd. Ernie Ladd was one of the, you know, I always bring this up. People don't realize sometimes they get lost in history. Ernie Ladd was a fabulous performer. When I was a kid, I went to, I used to go to the American Football League games with my brother. And I saw Ernie play when I think it was the, he played for the LA Chargers at the time. You know what Ernie Ladd brought to football? 
he was the first guy on the field when they had practice fields, you know, before the game that didn't wear a helmet. Oh, really? And Ernie. I didn't. What? I did not know that. Yeah. Another thing is Ernie cut a guy during the match with a, uh, during a football game with a blade. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Ernie was one of the big stars in the AFL. And Ernie didn't get his due, I think, as a professional wrestler. I mean, people know the name. But Ernie at the time, and I heard Morocco say this, so it isn't just off the top of my head. Ernie was working across the country, almost like Andre. Yeah. He, he, and he forced Vince Sr. into paying him, Billy Graham, and Ivan Koloff, if they weren't on the main event, main event money. And Ernie was very nice to me when I was a young boy. I had a riot with Ernie. My position was to get the guy ready for Bruno, right? And I was supposed to go like five minutes with Ernie in uh, Long Island at Nassau Coliseum. And I had a match with Ernie where I was, he was taking all these crazy bumps for me and give me, he gave me like 85% of the match until he reached in and got the thumb, the Asiatic, mm -hmm. original Asiatic spike and hit me in the throat. And then when I went down, he put his feet on the ropes. And after that, he came back and kicked me. He had a full blown ride. Ernie was the first black booker in the history of pro wrestling. Wow. Ernie was a very, very smart guy. And uh, he, he was one of my favorites, you know, for sure. Where, where was Ernie Booker at? Where, Ernie booked in the Mid-South, right? Yeah, yeah, he booked Watts, yeah. Yeah, yep, for Bill Watts, yeah. yeah. He was yeah, one of the most, he, I was a kid and I was front row at Madison Square Garden at the wrestling matches. My, my dad took me to them. He, it was the first thing I saw. Ernie Ladd stepped over that top rope. He was one of the few guys step over the top rope next to Andre. And I think he used to do that to say he was a giant, just like Stud used to do. But when he stepped over the guardrail and I was in the front row, the sheer size of this man, when you're a 12-year-old kid and this big, gigantic man steps over the guardrail. And when not, they didn't always go over the guardrail back then. It wasn't like now where they'll fight into the audience. And he stepped one foot right over that guardrail, and he came right at us. And the, I remember the police were there, and I just sat there, and I was shit scared. And I was shit scared. That man made me believe it was real. Before Ernie, Craig, before Ernie's knees went on him, he was a legitimate 6'10". Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say that. Ernie Ladd was a, a legit, whatever his height was, it, it was a legit... 6910 it wasn't you know it wasn't a fictitious height number and you know he was he was uh, the elder bush's dear friend the original george bush he was right? dear, yeah ernie was a super nice guy super smart drew a lot of money great football player in my head he should be in the nfl hall of fame but most of the years he played the AFL, and they have a kind of a thing where they don't put many of those AFL players in where they should. Wow. So, Craig, getting back to to um, to uh, the collecting business and how you got into it, um, name some of the people who you've met yeah. over, 
and purchased items from this, the, actually from the actual wrestlers themselves. Craig? Hello. Uh, we're having some technical difficulties, but if you can hear me, wasn't the number one most important piece of memorabilia the golden spike? Uh -huh. No, 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 leave that out. Don't mention that. Don't, we're not talking about spikes. That's got to be edited out of this. We're not, no heat, not right now. Not right now. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. Been going off too. Kevin ran away. Kevin ran away. Well, we put yeah, me, me and Craig. Hey, uh, Hank is the dog. I had to fill the dog. Yeah. That's all we need to do. Okay, getting back to Craig, can you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Now, Craig, um, question I wanted to ask you. What items have you received from the wrestlers that own them themselves or the titles from the wrestlers that held that belt? And what have you gotten? Like, like say, like I, I know for a fact that you got, you had Greg the Hammer Valentine's ro robe that you sold back to the WWE on that WWE uh, treasures, um, greatest treasures on on, on A and E. Um, but what else have you gotten from the actual wrestlers themselves? What pieces of memorabilia have you gotten from the wrestlers themselves? Uh, most most a few pieces. Most of the pieces that I have were through other collectors, through uh, second third party, right? Yes, yes. But the the hammer. Valentine, the hammer robe, the black and red one with the hearts mm -hmm. on it, and that's the one that was on uh, a, a and a. the Lost Treasures. Yeah. So I actually got that from him. Uh, I did get a Mr. Wrestling 2 robe, Olivia Walker robe, who Olivia Walker was his wife, but I did get um, one of his robes directly from him as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I got, a, I got a, a golden spike from from Kevin. Mm -hmm. um, hey, I, I, I get one for you, Craig. You almost had the Holy Grail at one time, didn't you? <clears throat> I was close to that. If you're talking about the NWA belt, I was really... Tell that story. Well, I received a phone call, and this is for the, the, the NWA World Heavyweight belt. And this was the, the 80s version, the one with race and... Sweet show. They had a 10 pounds of gold belt, and I mm -hmm. I was out of town with work, and I received a call, and the call was from, um, I guess, a collector, collector buddy of mine, and he, he told me, he says, man, he says, you know, we have this opportunity to get the NWA world belt, the 10 pounds of gold belt. I was like, man, really, that's, oh, you know, that's going to come about, and he started getting into the story and how it was, um, an attorney had it, and it was from Flair had used it, I guess, as you know, some collateral. So the attorney was holding on to it, and he was looking to recoup his his money. So um, my guy, I guess, he received a call from from the attorney, and uh, I don't know how that relationship came about, but it was being offered for sale, and he had first crack at it. So when he called me and told me about it. A little bit hard to believe at first, but after you know, speaking to him, it sounded real. So I was like, "Yes, man, it, you know, let's do it." So I had to end it. They wanted cash, so it, it, we started at fifty thousand, and then we went up to seventy-five. So 
I went ahead and got the cash ready for it. And he actually came pick it up and was on his way to pick up the belt. And he was like probably about four hours into the trip when he received the call and said it was, you know, a no-go that uh, I think another attorney maybe have gotten involved. And it was kind of dead for now. And maybe after that, it was uh, Triple H ended up with it. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I was really, really close to that. Well, you have the you have the original Texas title too, right? I have I have the I have a Texas title. Yeah, the Texas heavyweight title, which was held back in the early '80s. Uh, Feud of Von Erichs, Gino Hernandez, Chris Adams, and there was a few others. Can I tell you something about that, Craig? What's that? I, I held that belt. The, I was the last Texas heavyweight champion before it went to funk. Okay. I, I think so. I think actually I have I have some um, I have some pictures of uh, in if you want if, if you haven't. Yeah, I beat Scott Casey for in San Antonio, and then the company went bankrupt. That, that might be the Southwest Championship belt. They built it as the Texas belt. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have a. Uh, the three of us were just with Scott Casey this December. Yes, I saw him at a couple of, I think, the last event, the last uh, world-class event there. Yep, we were together, the three of us, me, you, and Kevin, were with Scott Casey. Yep. Yeah, I enjoy speaking. I, I've been fortunate. I, over the years, going to a lot of these fan fests and these events, running and meeting the wrestlers, and the road stories are, are you know, are really, really good. And to you know what they have out there now but um you know i've been fortunate to you know from greg valentine meeting you know from drew to kevin terry funk you know doug and ricky martin there's a, a hand a couple handfuls that i've al perez to. al perez yes definitely he, he, you know, all he good friends really, all good friends we've yeah, we formed so it all of us right we always see each other at conventions and the cons and the get-togethers and the wrestle cons and the the wrestle fests and everything else we've we've managed to all always come back and it's always us on our own little table, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a really good uh, group that just in, enjoy the company and the stories are really really good. It's uh, you know it's, it's really good for me as a fan, you know, not just a collecting all, but you know I'm, I'm in I was a fan before anything, so we, it's uh, they all work. We, we're all we were, fans. We're all <laughs> yeah, it took me. I wasn't quite sure what a mark was for a long time, and I was scared to ask all, anybody because I didn't know I, what, if I was one or not. No, and maybe, maybe we, we all were a mark. me up to it. Well, we all were a mark I, one time. Andrew, I'd like to personally thank Craig for all his support with us. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Craig has done. Daddy. I don't know if you've met Craig, but there isn't a more giving guy than Craig. We've we've spoken on the phone, and uh, I already know yeah. just how important uh, Craig is to you guys, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, so like I said, it's nice to see when everybody's kind of kind of a family together, and that's it's part of what the wrestling business is, right? To remember, Craig and I, is. Craig and I met at WrestleMania 30. We met at WrestleMania 30. He he brought me into uh, 
to to WrestleCon with with him and Greg and everything, and and we just became friends since then. And he's become one of my best friends on the planet. And uh, we just we know when when he called me and told me that he was going to be on that A and E um, TV series, I, I said I said, man, that is right up your alley. And he got on that, and he was on uh, on the WWE Lost Treasures, and that was just tremendous for him. And I, I said to myself, you know what? All of us have been there. All of us have been a wrestling fan or a mark in the business. And Kevin would also, Kevin calls himself a mark for the Sheik. And Kevin would tell me, I was just such a kid, and I was a mark for the original Sheik. He goes, and I sat in the locker room, and Sheik was staring at me. He goes, and I said, what, what, was, what did Sheik say to you when you were staring at him in the locker room? What are you looking at? I was getting something. Greg, I gotta give this to you. It's a sheet button. Oh, awesome! <laughs> um, uh, he 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 was one that my memories of him through the magazines at a you know the early age in the late seventies. He, he, he was, was one that was, he made he made you feel that that it was real. I mean, he, you know, he really played the part. Well, let me tell you a quick chic story. I was a kid and I went to the Boston Garden. And I thought it was Spare Saturday, but it wasn't. It might have been uh, Dominic DiNucci. But it was the first time I saw the Sheik. And I swear to God, when he came out of the building, I came out of the dress room, the building vibrated. I had never seen anything like that. And the crazy thing was, they must have been college students because they were dressed up and they were carrying a sign, go chic, go. And Boston Garden was a tough building to work. As they're going down the front row, go chic, go. The people always kill But he was a special, special guy. And he was so good to me. So good to me that I can't ever tell you what he meant to me. And when I got the chance, when I was booking in Florida, I'd bring him in. And he and I brought him into Hawaii when I was booking Hawaii. He was such a special entity in this business. Again, as time goes on, we forget about these guys. Maddie, did you ever get to see the Sheik? Yes. Yes. And like I said, you're talking about... Uh, there's no one particular golden era, but let's say that's the kind of stuff is the golden era wrestling with him and, and Volkov yeah, and all sure. those guys. There was just, um, there was, we laugh, right? We see some of the physiques on today's wrestlers and everything else. None of no, that you're, mattered. The Iron, you're, you're thinking of the Iron Sheik. We're talking about the original Sheik. No, no, no. I'm just young enough that I did not get to see the original Sheik. Oh, he actually saved... Vince's territory at a time. They got into a little lull, and he came in and wrestled Bruno two times in all the buildings. They were sellouts, and I think it's the last time they ever had wrestling in Fenway Park. It was the main event was Kowalski, the fourth time they went into Boston, usually three and done. They had a fourth match it was a Sicilian stretch match and the semifinal was the Sheik and Bulldog Brower and they drew like 30,000 people it was amazing for people like me Kev that don't know what year are we talking about here I'm going to say it was uh, 68, 69 
so that's what I'm saying, folks out there, for uh, for some of the wrestling history, like I said. And we'll see this as all the shows develop. So we're really going to bring in not just guests, but really get a real taste of that different wrestling history along with our, our other guests that we bring in. And, and Craig, Craig's I don't a wrestling historian, too. Craig is a wrestling historian. And I kind of I, I got a question to ask him. Craig, have you ever uh, talked to our friend in Boston, uh, Tom Burks? probably the greatest wrestling historian. And I stumped him one time. And I couldn't believe I stumped Tom Burke. But he, he's really good. Yeah, because I told him when I was a kid, you know, when I we talked the last show, Maddie, about that Paul Bowser had a special dispensation to have his own world champion. Yep. I saw Pat O'Connor when I was a kid come to Boston and lose to Kowalski. And Tom said to me, that can't be right. But Tom went through all his papers and newspaper clippings and found it. And he said he couldn't believe it. That's how much power Paul Bowser had. Wow. So, Kevin, one thing I wanted to say. Kevin, you said, so basically what you were saying before was the building shook when the sheet came out, right? Yeah. yeah. So what you're telling me is that was the original Road Warrior pop. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Sure. Yeah. For sure. That was the original Road Warrior pop. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, as a young kid, while when the Sheik just in the magazine, looking at him, you know, flipping through the pages, and when he was in a magazine, he was scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how old was he when he wrestled his last match? I think he was 72, 73. I was in Japan with him, and my job and Sabu's job was we'd walk him to the ring and make sure no one got close to him. You know what I mean? Because in Japan at the time, I don't know if still, uh, probably everything's changed. But at the, in Japan at the time, if you were afraid of something and you could touch it, you get their energy. And people would just mm -hmm. run up and try to touch him. And he'd spin around and the building would empty. He'd go into the crowd and the building would empty. Two minutes later, he'd be in the ring. And the crazy thing was every chair was set back up. I mean, he... <laughs> At 72, he was still drawing money. You know, that's great. Him, him and uh, Sabu with against uh, Taz uh, and Goto and Onita, they drew big houses. And then, you know, there was a bird to death. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen video of, of you know, of them in Japan and she can, you know, his later days. And yeah. I mean, they, they, that, was, that was some really wild matches. And but his age, I, I don't know how he was doing it at that age. And Sheik and Abdullah were the first guys to turn, as the Japanese call foreigners, guy Jings. They were the first guys to turn guy Jings into a babyface, the Funk Brothers. And Abdullah stabbed Terry with a fork in the shoulder. And Terry was rolling around the ring with the fork sticking out of his shoulder. I mean, Amazing business that he drew. Amazing. Wow. wow. Now, before I, I, we forget, I don't want to cut you off, Andrew, but before I forget, since Craig, since you have such an amazing collection, um, are people able to go follow you online where you list some of those, some of the pictures of some of the collectibles that you've racked up over the years? I haven't. I don't, I don't listen to the first podcast. I'm kind of a white person. And, you know, I don't really advertise too much. 
of anything that I have, not just collection of, you know, personal things, anything, but I have been getting quite a few requests through uh, other collectors as well, some, you know, friends that are middle well, and so I, I, I am thinking about it, you know, I, I would probably like to, because I, I would like for people to see, you know, not just what I have, but what's, you know, what's out there, and bring back memories of back in the day and of, uh, right. you know, yeah, man, that's a, that's, that's, you have such a big piece of, uh, of history it'll kind of be like a museum to show people and while I'm on that note too Kevin and Andrew let everybody out there know on social media how they could find you guys and what platforms you're on well right now I'm on Facebook uh, Andrew the Reinforcer Anderson um, Andrew Anderson uh, and on uh, Drew the Wrestler on Twitter um, Andrew the Reinforcer on uh on instagram um also there's andrew anderson wrestling at gmail.com you can um, uh, email me anytime any questions you have but the most important part is right now kevin also kevin kevin has uh is not actually on facebook or anything kevin is is persona non grata on facebook or anything he hasn't hasn't really updated himself because there were a few people that had fake accounts but we're working on kevin getting his uh his uh his uh media um, sites I, got, I got a Twitter account, but other than that, I didn't get on Facebook. Uh, well, I was on Facebook for a while, but then there was five different fake accounts, so it caused a little problem. But I'm going to get back on. So anyway, it's in the Great. meantime, got to take a commercial break. We have to pay the bills, as Maddie said. So we'll be back in a few minutes, and uh, just check out this from our sponsors. Elm Logistics. For all your logistic needs, call 631-299-3595. That's 631-299-3595. Elm Global Logistics. Pride, performance, and partnerships. In the mood for a freshly roasted cup of coffee? www.offtherailscoffeeroasters.com The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude, good fucking wine. Yeah. Being a super collector and being a historian, well, why don't you let us know how, uh, how you've come to know these guys and, and how you pay the bills. What's your day-to-day gig? Yeah. Well, my day-to-day job is uh, my business is pretty much oil and gas, and uh, I supply labor and equipment to the oil and gas industry. Um, mostly in the in the states in the U.S., it's a uh, it's mostly a lot of labor, skilled labor, and uh, I work through in, into Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama, and uh, off and on in New Jersey and Bayonne. Um, but I have another. I have a few companies, and one of the other companies is which Kevin was referring to. Is uh, you know that deals directly more with um, the drilling industry. In other words, you know when rigs are drilling for oil or gases, I have a product goes in and cleans the well bore and just makes the flow. Um, you know when they come to a, when they find oil or gas, you know I have a product that makes it flow. You know better. So, and that one is actually in Saudi Arabia, and 
which we've been there for approximately seven years now, and we're expanding into Malaysia. So that's what Kevin's referring to. I'm trying to get closer and closer to Singapore so I can go meet more yeah. people. So I'm pushing to get in the next probably three months, I'll be act actively doing business in Malaysia. So I'm, I am getting closer to Singapore. So he's getting there. The business, the business has the plans of moving. He's going to start. I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, it's got to pay. It's got to pay the bill for me to get to Singapore. So I'm getting close. It's actually been about two years in the works for, you know, for for Malaysia. So, but it's uh, it's 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 close. It's close. Well, that's um, great if we get forward. to Singapore because you know, you know, of course, we get to Singapore. We're going to have a reunion with uh, the original Purple Haze, Mark Lewin. So, right, Kev? Uh, that, would be awesome. that would be that would be really awesome. Yeah. He, so I, he was one like the original sheet to me. I mean, when you saw yeah. him, you saw him on TV. I mean, well, Mark Lewin had some major Sheik, right? What? Mark Lewin had some major feuds with the Sheik. Yeah. 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 Dusty Rhodes said Mark was the greatest heel he ever worked with and the greatest baby face he ever saw. I mean, back in Atlanta in the early '80s when he was there, and 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 Kevin, you were you know you were feuding with him, and I mean, man, he he was real. He'd come out and it's on. He you know he put you in his sleeper, and I mean, you were foaming from the mouth. That was as a young kid. That was real. Yeah, and the other thing people don't know that Mark beat Luthez for the California World Championship, put him to sleep. Wow, as ever got put to sleep by anybody else. And when Mark was 19 years old, he was headlining Madison Square Garden with Argentina Rocca. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's a lot. That says a lot. I mean, he, was, yeah. he was the real deal. In Florida, yeah. you know, the, the whole Florida deal with Dusty and during that, that, those years were, you know, it, it, I, you know, I would like to have been living in Florida for those years to, to go to some of their matches because they were you know, the magazines and the video, I'm sure they didn't do no justice. Yeah. So, Maddie, we've been talking about ourselves, me and Andrew. Tell us what you got coming up and got going. Well, so far, keeping our fingers crossed, as we were talking about, about COVID before. So a couple of couple of cool things coming up. Um, next week, I'll be actually out on the road going to Miami for, uh, for the film pr uh, premiere of I, Mordecai. That's uh, by a good friend of mine, Mr. Marvin Samuel. Um, so it'll be a very cool honor to be a part of that project. Um, and I'll be, you know, it'll be a blessing to be able to work with somebody I've known for, for a very, very long time and see the fruition of his journey to make, a, uh, to make this movie come true. Uh, it's about his father. Again, anybody who's looking to, uh, to check into it, hit it up on Instagram, uh, I, Mordecai. Um, and then you, you'll see I, Mordecai, the movie. And then uh, 10 days after that, I will be on the road out to uh, good old Las Vegas. And it'll be for nice. the, uh, it'll be to do uh, one of the largest cigar events and tobacco events that's out there. So that's called the TPE. Um, so I'll be out there with, with my boys from Jewish State promoting some of the newest stuff that's out there on the market. And then, of course, everything else that's going on with bigger events, uh, you know, we're just we're just hoping everything goes well. Uh, and then there'll be a bunch more events out on the road um, and a bunch more promotions. So I'm not going to go jinx myself and, and talk about those just yet. But um, but for now, those are the two big ones that are coming up in the next uh, next two, three weeks. And like I said, hopefully we'll be able to figure out what's going on in the world. And like I said, that's important to everybody. Uh, obviously, Craig, with all of his traveling, uh, Kevin and Andrew with them being on the road doing shows and gigs. So, you know, 
crazy yeah. world out crazy world out there but you know all of us well, got Craig, to it. it's, it's mass it's uh, to and to think on February uh, 22nd right what's that you're joining us in Texas at world class wrestling revolution uh, yeah. yep. yes 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 I've been slowly getting me into the business yes uh, who's I been I'll take this and go too much farther there it's, it's a lot harder than it looks so, so Andrew, where's information about that? So if people want to uh, get a little bit more info on that show or grab some tickets, where do they need to go, brother? World Class Wrestling Revolution or in the fans of World Class Wrestling Revolution on uh, on Facebook and Instagram, World Class Wrestling Revolution, and you'll be able to find the show with the, uh, a good friend of ours, um, Tony at Southern Junction, who runs the the, uh, the venue Southern Junction. Um, he's it's a great venue and, and uh, we've been packing the house there from when it was SWE Fury now that it's world-class wrestling revolution um, it's uh, um, a great company to work for and uh, you know we, we packed the house uh, last December 11th and uh, we hope to do it again this January 22nd I mean we're looking forward to it. good times great talent you have Moonshine Mantel uh, against Jacob Fatu uh, who's a great great second generation wrestler and uh he was a former MLW heavyweight champion, or is the MLW heavyweight champion, I think. And uh, you also have, and he's at the PCW ultra heavyweight tag team champion with uh, uh, Joseph Samael. Uh, so you have Jacob Fatu versus Moonshine Mantel. Charlie Haas will be defending the world heavyweight title. Um, a lot of great talent over there. Um, a great a ring announcer in Brittany Houghton, um, a color commentator, rather. Um, the, the whole everybody on, on, on cast. And I want to thank Eric Embry and uh, Kevin Sullivan. Kevin, obviously, uh, I thank him all the time for everything, but, but uh, Eric Embry for having faith in me and Jerry Bostic for putting me on the show and making, you know, keeping me relevant. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really great, great product. And uh, hope, hopefully, you know, it'll, it'll keep the ball rolling and keep Texas wrestling alive and strong. I mean, uh, wrestling has always been a hotbed in Texas. And, um, you know, the, the Dungeon of Doom seems to be uh, proud. hot. Yeah, proud, right? Really. right? You've seen it. You've seen it. You've been with us for, for the past year and a half, Craig. You've seen that. We've been yeah, rolling in Texas. The, the crowds are really good in Texas. It's, yeah. The, uh, uh, definitely a market there for it. So, right on. so, Andrew, if anybody has any questions, they can, anybody has any questions, they could reach out to you and Kev. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You can absolutely. reach out to me and Kevin through the Monty and the Pharaoh. Uh, they always contact Monty and the Pharaoh too. We're on their network now, so um, we want to thank Monty and the Pharaoh every show we do, and 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 for all that you know they do for us. And uh, you know, I'm um, thanking you, Maddie, for helping us out with the uh, with the formatting on the show and everything. I mean, we ran into some glitches. Both the second episode, we run into a little bit of glitches, but we're learning. It's a learning process, and as we learn as we go, and we'll we're ironing out any little uh, you know. Um, audio and uh, video glitches that come come along and eventually it'll, uh, it'll really gel and that's how you make it work and uh, we want to thank Craig Massey, uh, my good friend Craig Massey and I didn't mean to call you the world's biggest mark but I was busting your boss for that t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. I gave Kevin five bucks to punch him in the nuggets for you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah no, I'm sure he'll probably do it for free. <laughs> hey, True. True. Craig. We were all we were all marks at one time. So, hey, Craig, if, if you have a love of wrestling, you kind of had to be. You have to be. <laughs> you have to be. I'm still a mark, so. Yeah, it took me a while. I was, I was scared to ask anybody what it meant, what it was. So, but again, Craig, Andy Fernandez enlightened me on it. Craig, 
Audio DeBoer. Greg, I just want to, again, thank you for what you've done for me and Andrew and what you've done for wrestling. And I think it's great that you have all these collectibles. Maybe later on we can go and really <laughs> and show some people what you have. Yeah, I think, I think, you know what, I think one of the next steps is going to be, I think we're going to have to do a live um, um, in the dungeon with Kevin Sullivan and Andrew Anderson in, in the Craig's museum there in his house and show off some of the, the artifacts that he has. Because, I mean, it is amazing, amazing pieces of, uh, of history, wrestling history and memorabilia. Right, Kev, what do you agree? You agree? Yeah, absolutely. Road trip to Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it. It's you heard always, it here, folks. It's always a good, it's always yeah. a good time here. So, and uh, of course, I mean, I know, I know Craig and Craig and his friend Dale have been uh, plotting something coming up that we're going to be hitting Vegas very soon. I think we've been talking about how we need to get away, right? Very soon, very soon, long overdue. Yeah, I might be with Maddie in a couple of weeks. Ah, yes. All right, so Craig, but if it's all of us together, I, I don't know if there's enough bail money, man. You don't want to go selling your collection. Uh, you're right. You're right. Might have, we'll have to call it. Or I'll mail us a, a cake with a file in it. <laughs> Literally, or we'll get a cake. Yeah, we'll get that cake. We'll start gnawing at the steel. On that note, much love. Thank you to everybody out there. Much love, peeps. Thank you to right, brothers, Monty and the Pharaoh, yep. Kevin, Andrew, Craig. It's been an honor. Much love. And uh, we will see you on the next yep. episode. Thank you. See you on the next episode of, of In the Dungeon with Kevin Sullivan and the reinforcer, Andrew Anderson. Thank you, Craig. Thank you so much, guys. Yep. Peace out and much love, y'all. Yep. Same here.